This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Those watching online, thank you for being with us. Take out your notes, uh, Bibles. We went to the doctor some time ago because one of our sons needed a procedure done. This was a threshold moment for us as a family. We were kind of occupying this space where there was a lot of pain and suffering, questions, hardship, difficulty, uncertainty. We needed to get into the presence of doctors who had wisdom and insight and expertise and knowledge and treatment and care. We were over here. We needed to get over there. Much like as you drive to a hospital, we drove to the hospital. But before we could get from this space into this space, they brought us into another space. Some people call it a waiting room. I would like to call it the we-take-your-money room. (laughs) Let me recount for you the emotional memory that I have of that moment. This is not the actual memory. This is just emotionally how I remember that. Because I was in this space, and I wanted to get into this space where where, where there was care for, for, for one of my sons. And I had to wait in this space. And emotionally, this is how my emotions remember the encounter with the woman behind the counter. The woman behind the counter had very, very, very thick eyeshadow, very, very thick lipstick, and a cigarette that seemed to magically dangle from her bottom lip. And she reeked of weak old coffee, and she had a ragged voice that my father would have been proud of had it been my father's voice. How can I help you? She was a beautiful soul in real life. I'm just saying emotionally, it was so emotionally charged. This is how I remember her. Well, we are so-and-so, and we need to get over here. This is where we are, and this is what we're going through, and we would like to get over here, and you're in between that. How can we work something out? She is the gatekeeper of this moment, and she's very astutely, she's pulled up the file and pulled up the chart. Oh, yes, let me help you. And then with a very straight face, explain to me that if I could just happen to drop on her table an exorbitant amount of cash. I was then allowed to move from this space into this space. Now you have to understand, I have never met anyone in real life who happens to carry that particular amount of cash around with them just on a normal day. Most of us don't even have that amount of cash on us in a savings account or a checking account. She was just like, you know what? If you could give me this amount, we'll get you right in. What do you do? This is your copay today. I was here. I needed to get here. And I had to fork out. We've been learning that God puts the pieces back together, that God makes us whole. 
we find ourselves in this space and we feel the brokenness and we feel the death and we feel the weight of life. But there seems to be something built that tells us there's more over here. First week, we just took the broad strokes that God is a loving, caring God. And what good, loving, caring God does not want to give good gifts to those who ask. And that would include our physical health, wouldn't it? Our physical well-being, emotional and mental well-being, spiritual well-being, all of those things together. And then the next week, we learn that we, we really need to start thinking about things as a whole. God wants to heal the whole soul. Not just this part or this part. He's working putting the whole thing together. If you haven't been able to be with us uh, those last few weeks, I'd encourage you to go to whoishouseontherock.com. You can get that content. Each week we kind of build on the weeks before. Okay. Last week, Jesus comes as the climax of this exchange. Jesus comes as God's divine doctor to put pieces back together again. Spiritual pieces, emotional pieces, physical pieces. That's why Jesus has come. But any healthy theology or biblical understanding of healing has to have a conversation in the area of the copay. Paul, how do I actually get from that space to that space? It's a word that we sometimes call faith. A biblical understanding of healing involves a biblical understanding of faith. In fact, faith is a big part of it. Faith is a huge part of it. So we need to understand it correctly, understand it biblically. An example, the last two days we've been doing planting at our house. Two days worth of planting. I don't have that big of a house. We planted a lot. So we went to the big greenhouse, which is in the area, and we loaded up, and we loaded up, and we loaded up so we could do all this wonderful planting. Some of the plants, when you go to the greenhouse, are outside in the shade. Some of the plants are outside in the sun, no shade. Some are kind of in the sun and in the shade. Some of them are inside altogether. Why? Each, sun is, each, each plant has a very specific relationship with the sun. It needs certain amounts of sunlight. You can't ignore that. I like roses. I love roses. Roses are beautiful. Roses are wonderful. My dad had this beautiful rose garden when I was growing up. Oh, it was just wonderful. A lot of work. A lot of work. I have a house that has a lot of shade. Roses love sunlight. I can't ignore that. If I want that plant to thrive, I need to put it where it was designed to be. I can't ignore that. If we're going to understand healing, we need to understand faith. As you're going to see today, you can't rule that out. It is, for many of us, the difference between staying in that space and walking in that space. In Matthew chapter 8, is a summary passage about what Jesus was doing in his ministry. It says this. This is Matthew 8, 16 through 17. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took on our illnesses and bore our diseases. We talked about that passage in Isaiah. You can go back and listen to that. 
Before this passage in Matthew, you see Jesus healing a guy who had a skin disease. You hear about Jesus healing his mother-in-law who was sick with a fever. Uh, Jesus heals a centurion's servant. And it's that story I want to highlight just real quickly to kind of get us into the conversation about faith. It says this in Matthew 8, 8 through 10. The centurion replied to Jesus, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go, this is verse 13. Let it be done for you as you have believed or as you have had faith. And the servant was healed at that very moment. There's 28 instances in the gospel account of Jesus healing someone physically. I counted. I read all four this week. Went through every single one. I had a spreadsheet. It was annotated. I busted out Excel. I had graphs. I had charts. I went all numbers on it. And I tallied up every single time there was a healing where Jesus healed someone physically 28 specific times. Some of those times, you just kind of heal someone. Like walks by, you're healed. There's no real context. There's no driving. It just kind of happens. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law is an example. Oh, you have a fever? Oh, no more fever. Can we have some matzahs? Other times, Jesus walks in and there's a big context. There's a big exchange. And healing fits into a larger thing that's going on. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Nine of the times when Jesus heals someone physically, faith is explicitly described, explicitly highlighted. Nine of the 28 times Faith is a big part of what's going on in the story. If you're someone who writes notes, uh, let me just highlight just real quickly, and you can look them up. In Matthew 15, there's one. A Canaanite woman is bantering back and forth with Jesus. She's come before Jesus because her child is sick and asked Jesus to heal her child. And Jesus is like, no. No, would you please? No. And her and Jesus go. It's a real odd exchange if you have this real shallow, bland view of Jesus, who's just this blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy who just sprinkles happy dust everywhere, all of a sudden, this exchange with Jesus is really going to mess you up, because she wants healing, and he's like, I'm not going to do it. Why should I? You're not an Israelite. I only come for Israelites. But she sticks at it, and at the end of the exchange, Jesus says this, you have great faith. In Luke, in Luke chapter 8, a woman who's had a hemorrhage her entire life, medical, modern medicine has let her down. All the doctors have let her down. She's spent everything that she has on copays and insurance. It's just modern stuff. And she comes to Jesus. She doesn't talk to him. She doesn't have any exchange with him. She reaches through the crowd and grabs a hold of his robe believing that if I could just touch him, I will be healed. Jesus notices that the life-giving force comes out of him into her. He says, hey, 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 someone touched me. At the end of the exchange, Jesus says to her, your faith has healed you. 
The centurion that we just talked about a little bit earlier. Jesus, I've never seen such great faith. Let it be done according to your faith. Matthew 9, two blind guys came up to Jesus. Will you heal us? Jesus is like, do you believe that I can heal you? We believe that you can heal us. Then let it be done according to your faith. Let me take you to one specifically. This is Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12. Mark 2, 1 through 12. Let me read the, the story for you. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, and it was reported that he was at home. Word got around, healers in town. Many were gathering together so that there was no room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. They came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they'd made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, who has the faith? Who has the faith? It's not about the sick guy, it's four. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there. They questioned in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He's like, so you can see this. I'm going to show you this. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never saw anything like this. Let me just make some brief observations. Nothing to write down, just, just some things to get healing in our head. This healing happens within a greater lesson of why Jesus came. This is one of those examples that I talked about earlier. Sometimes Jesus just walks by, hey, you're better. This specific healing happens within a greater context. Jesus is saying, I want you to understand this. So that you can understand this, let me show you this. So the healing is a part of something bigger and beyond it. I think that's important. Because I think the inverse is also true. Sometimes God won't do this because he's teaching us this. He's like, I want you to see this, and I want you to participate in this. So I'm going to do this, okay? It happens within a context that you can't take out, okay? Another observation. Not all healing is equally significant. Not all healing is equally significant. Spiritual restoration is preferred over physical healing. Our spiritual restoration, our spiritual, our walk with God is preferred over our physical healing. I think there's four areas that we can talk about when we talk about what God's doing as a whole. Okay? Bringing healing. There's the outside. Let's say the outside, our body. Okay? God puts the outside together. We see this in the new bodies that we get. There's the inside, internal, emotional, mental. Okay? Outside, inside. There's the relational aspect. God wants to bring relational healing. 
bring humans together, bring unity between people. There's spiritual healing and restoration, our walk with God. Imagine I have a teapot, short and stout. Hey, that's not a funny joke, unless you're laughing at the wrong thing. Imagine it's a teapot that's a little chipped, it's a little cracked. Still carries water, but it's a little chipped, that's a little cracked. The outside is worn. Inside that teapot, there is warm, life-giving liquor, tea, good tea. Or it could be bitter and cold and rancid. What's even more important is that that tea is to be shared, that tea is to be exchanged, that tea is a part of a relationship. What's even more important is understanding where all that actually comes from. If the teapot breaks, it cannot give what is life-giving. It cannot bring together. It cannot walk with others. But they're not all equally significant. Another illustration, I repotted my olive tree yesterday. Why wouldn't I have an olive tree? I followed Jesus. Duh. Don't you have an olive tree? I repotted it. The pot was broken and needed to go into a new pot so that the tree can grow, so the tree can thrive. The outer pot was broken. I needed to put it, upgrade the pot so that the tree could grow. What's more important, what does that tree bring? Ultimately, it brings a fruit that is to be shared. And beyond that, it's to recognize where does life come from altogether. Not all healing is equally significant or equally important. It's remembering how to understand that and to respect that. We see that just in this story. Someone who's been walking in that and experiencing that firsthand in their own life is my good friend, a man with a great smile, Doug Richard. Doug, would you come on up? I asked Doug a while ago if he'd share a little bit of his, his life journey, his faith journey over the last six, seven months uh, as God's been working in his heart. Uh, yeah, I, I see that. Look at you go. Yet. Not yet. Very good. It's a journey. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, Thanks for letting me uh, share today. As, you know, we've been talking about healing for the past month. And, mm-hmm. and that, uh, in that capacity, it's just been wonderful um, for me in that past month. But in the past months, almost to a half a year, of uh, the life-changing things that's happening for me through Christ. Uh, very unbelievable. You know, t- to tell you where I'm at now, I've got to kind of tell you where I've been. Um, I have many examples, but there's been two times in my life that, that God just, you know, spoke to me. Uh, one time, in, in this other's never heard this before, I'm sure, but was uh, I was doing a pastoral search uh, one year and uh, watching a Reds game as this guy speaking behind me. And uh, God says, turn off the Reds game and give this guy his due. It might have been in a little different terms, folks, but that's a little colorful uh, way I express it. And uh, it's this guy right here. And God spoke to me. I mean, uh, he revealed it to me very clearly. 
And here in the recent six months, he did the same thing with me, uh, saying, get off your backside and get to work. There's a lot of things that happened uh, to that time. Um, mostly in the past uh, 40 years ago, I was quite the athlete and uh, had some potential of, of going further after high school. Um, but through the years, I got complacent in, in the most recent years. I have to be honest with y'all. I, I was doing the damage to myself of uh, the weight gain, et cetera, you know, whatever you want to put up there. And if it shocks you at all, that Superman, Superman, that was me, Doug Richard was Superman, didn't go to a, a doctor for 19 years. 19 years. That's a little bit ridiculous, probably. I, I think everybody had to say so. There came a time that um, God worked his, his wonders, in, especially through my wife. And, you know, they could call things tough love. Tough love. Well, she's really good at it. And uh, she's, she's been God's, uh, one of God's tools in my life, the reason I'm making this, this comeback. But, uh, you know, I went to the doctor, and then I, I really fell ill after that. After, you know, that I found out that uh, I was pre-diabetic or diabetic, weighing such a, such a weight that I never thought that I'd ever get to. And she said these words, and it hurt Superman very bad, very bad. You're not trying hard enough. That destroyed me. But it was the best thing she could ever say to the person she says she loves. You're not trying hard enough. After that time, and I know I didn't express this in the, the first service, but I don't know why, but I didn't, but those were important words. And then that's when I decided to listen to God again, listen to Jesus when he says, I need you to get up and get busy, and let's get to work. Revealed that to me, knowing this might be your last chance ever, Doug, to do, get back, to live for your wife, to live for your children, and get going. So I listened. And it was um, sometime after I, I, I started trying, trying more, and uh, really following um, what the doctor told me. And there was a place in this world for the doctors. There are other tools of, of God, too. Um, but I, I want, one day came home and said, I, God's telling me something about this, this program, honey. And she's got her phone with her, and we're in the office. And uh, I say, he's telling me something about this program that's, that's going to change my life. It's going to change my life. It's called Diabetes Freedom. I'll share it with you all and anybody else who wants to know about it. Um, and we're sitting there talking about it, and unbeknownst to me, before our discussion's even done, she's got the thing ordered, okay? <laughs> you want to talk about some faith, I just put it out there, this is a, a wonderful thing. I'm like, you just ordered that? And it, she did. And we've been on this family pro program for, for quite some time now, like three, three, has it been three months now? Something like that, not quite that, not quite that long, but it's been a game changer. It's a game changer. Another message given to me saying this is what we're going to do here. But it all started, folks, when I decided, and I thought I was a good man of, of God, and I thought I was a follower of Jesus, to surrender myself again. Hmm. And I did it with myself 
and it was very, very uh, intimate with Jesus. And I asked him, I need your help. I need your help. And, and, and the helpers came. And uh, so once I did that, he's changing my life. You know, my um, numbers are down with the, the sugar and everything. The doctors are like, what are you doing? What's happening? And I even bring in, I'm not afraid to say, Jesus is on my side now because I'm on his. And uh, so it, it really is a wonderful thing. And I want you to know it works. And no matter, and it's different for everybody. No matter what position you're in, you know, I just ask you, do you want to know more about me? I can only tell you about me. But if there's anything I can help out with other people that need um, to, to have that feeling of Jesus is on my side, he's right here, he's right here, please let's talk more because uh, it's definitely worth it. My church family, my life group family, you guys mean the world to me. And I, I want you to hold me accountable. 60 more pounds to go, okay? But I've lost 46 now. So let's uh, you know, make, make it happen. So God's on my side, and I need you guys to be too. Oh, by the way, Harry is probably one of the biggest proponents here in this place. He's always been concerned about my knees and everything. Almost to jump in the cartwheel just for you today, Harry. So. Not yet. That's awesome. That's awesome. Can you see, thank you, Doug, can you see just it within what, what he was saying as I was listening, uh, you could hear about God putting physical pieces together and it restoring I internal pieces. I mean, Doug, you would talk about the fog. You talk about walking in the fog and the fog clearing, relational pieces, spiritual pieces. It's all part of the whole. God wants to put all the pieces back together again, all of them. But do you notice in these stories the connection between healing and faith? When Jesus saw their faith. There's examples in the gospel of things not happening. And faith was the issue. Faith was the topic. Faith was what was between the person walking here and the person getting to here. So let's understand faith. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, it is the chapter on faith in the Bible Help give us a biblical understanding of faith so that we can have a biblical understanding of healing. Through that, the whole chapter, the pastor who writes it just gives one person after another. By faith, this happened. By faith, this person did this. By faith, here. By faith, there. I think it helps us anchor us in our discussion about faith. I'm going to start reading in verse 8, Hebrews 11, verse 8. I'm going to read uh, four verses, and I was roughing a couple things. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with them of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Let me just, we're going to rough in some ideas before I, I paint something or really draw something. I like to take a pencil, just lightly sketch, sketch some shapes so I can see how it all should fit together. Uh, the, this writer of the book of Hebrew, this pastor, gives me two illustrations. He says, hey, look at Abraham, look at Sarah. It'll help you understand faith. 
Faith is like Abraham who left his one land to go to the land of promise. He left a place of corruption and brokenness and death and journeyed toward promise. This is faith's like that. God says, get up and go. Abraham got up and he went. He says, faith is like living in between those two places. That even though Abraham went into the land of promise, he's still described as a foreign land. The promise was not yet possessed. The fulfillment of promise was not yet realized. He still had to wander around in tents as he longed for a city with whose foundation was God. He says, faith is like Sarah. Sarah, who's in her 90s and couldn't have children, and then God says, you're going to have a child. Think about this. God brought about your spiritual healing through someone's physical healing. Because God healed Sarah physically, you were able to be here and be restored spiritually lest we downplay the significance of our physical restoration in God's journey for us. Sarah had faith, not in her faith, but faith in the one who made the promise. Going on. Then let's, all right, let's drill down into it. Verse 13. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. Now, if they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone, they could have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. We have these examples of, of people coming to Jesus and asking for healing and Jesus highlighting their faith. They came to Jesus, they asked, and Jesus said, you have great faith. So if we're going to talk about faith and asking and putting those two pieces together, how does the Hebrews passage help us understand this? James says, you ask but don't receive because you don't ask correctly. I don't want to, so you can get this wrong. You can get this wrong. I mean, some people get their understanding of faith wrong. I'm like, well, that's offensive, but it's true. Some people have faith in themselves. Superman, right? I can do this myself. Healing and restoration is all about human intelligence and human engineering. We are the divine. There is no here. It's just us. Jesus is the guy who cracked the code. If we could just figure that out, we could live forever. Some people, that's their understanding of faith. It's all about them. Other people, theologically, they would separate completely faith and healing. Like, you shouldn't even be talking about healing. Like, faith is just for saving your soul. So I don't even know why you're bringing it up. I, I heard a very smart man talk about that this week. For others, faith literally is the copay. If you can fork out enough Benjamins, then God will act. God wants to act. God's on this side. If you can fork out enough faith dollars, then we can do this. And the reason God hasn't done it yet is because you haven't forked out enough faith dollars. So you got people coming to the altar just squeezing out gallstones. It seems to say, I just need more faith. I just need more faith. And God doesn't do anything because you don't have enough faith. 
And they walk away failures and disappointed because God didn't act because some fool told them they didn't come up with enough faith for God to act. How do you... What does this tell us about faith? If we're going to ask, we're going to ask by faith, three things in your notes. Three things in your notes. You need to enter God's story. You need to enter God's story. God's story happens in five movements. If you're watching online, I know that you can't see very much over here, but we'll do the best that we can. Track with me, guys. God's story in five movements. We've talked about this before, but I think it's really important to remember. It starts with partnership. God creates a space for us to dwell with him. And there's a lot of overlap. We call it Eden. That's, that, that's, that's what Eden is. It's paradise. It's where heaven and earth overlap. It's that shared space. But from that, God says, hey, let's go forth and let's do something together. Let's create together. Let's, let's be in relationship together. I've created. Come along with me in partnership. This is where the story starts. The story starts in beauty and goodness. You've got to remember that in the story. But what happens? What are we really good at? We're really good at treason. We're really good at saying, God, we like this idea. We just don't want to do it with you. So we push God away. We push him out of our space. What happens when you push the life-giving love of God out of your space? What happens to this space? Corruption. It begins to fall apart real fast. How many of you have experienced that? I do it on my own terms. I do it on my own terms. And as a result, everything falls apart. And time continues. Time goes on. But immediately after this, in the biblical narrative, we see God doing something. It's almost behind the scenes. Most people never saw it. God makes a promise. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to fix this. Up to Genesis 11, this is how bad it is. We're killing each other. We're murdering each other. We're enslaving each other. We're impressing each other. Not impressing, oppressing each other. We're building towers. We're pushing God out as much as we can possibly push him out. And things are falling apart real fast. Underneath all of that, God says, I'm making a promise. Abram, you want to do something with me? Come on. Let's leave this. And let's go towards something else. And that's what he's talking about in that, that Hebrews passage. Abram left looking towards something where the two overlap completely again. A, a, a holy city built by God where everything's right again. Did Abram get to experience that in his lifetime? No. Have any of us got to experience it in our lifetime? No. But they are looking towards it. This is, yeah, we could go back, but who wants to go back? I mean, really, when you think about it, who wants to go this way when you know you could go this way? And so we see God through the Old Testament narrowing the gap between the brokenness and the treason and the corruption that is and the promises of God until ultimately heaven comes back down to earth again in the form of Jesus Christ. And hope starts again. There's hope. It's touchable. It's tangible. 
heaven has come back down. And Jesus starts something, a movement of hope that you can actually walk in and enjoy and delight in. All looking towards hope fulfilled. There is a time. This is the whole study in the book of Revelation that we did through the summer. Do you remember that? All right. What happens when you get right to this place where, where, where God says it's time? Heaven and earth, boom. Holy city, down. We walk with God in the light of the day. We experience him. We enjoy him. We delight him. What does this restoration process look like right before that happens? Because as you can imagine, we have a whole lot of evil being compressed by a whole bunch of good. And so it's going to get really nasty really fast. Things escalate a lot through here. I was just talking to a mom after our first gathering. The escalation of the issues they find themselves dealing with as their kids are coming home from school. Maybe you're seeing it at work. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. Where are we in all this? Where are we? We're here, right? We're in the gap. We are between hope started and hope fulfilled. That means I can feel life and I can feel death. That means along the journey, we're gonna lose people along the way. Because we're not to the city yet. That means I feel sickness and I feel life. And I see sickness and I see life. So a healthy understanding of biblical healing means I have to enter back into the story and know that all of these pieces are at play. All of these pieces are at play. It started with goodness, but it got broken real fast. And God is now, have us upon a journey, those who will obey and follow him, experiencing this life-giving movement in Christ, to Christ, where hope is fulfilled. I need to enter that story. But in that story, in that space, secondly, I need to embrace God's mystery. Embrace God's mystery. Abraham set out not knowing where he was going. How many of you couldn't do that? Where's my type A's? <laughs> Where are we going? I'm not going to tell you. Not going. Abram, go. Where am I going? Just go. Okay. And he obeyed. You have to embrace the mystery of the in-between. Sarah received healing because her faith was not in her faith. Her faith was in the one who made the promise to her. You can go back into Genesis and read all these. That means embracing God's wisdom. God knows best. It means embracing God's power. God's the one who can do it. It's letting go of my control. Some of you need to write it down a second time. Let go of your control. Remember, a lot of the examples of healing in the New Testament happened within a greater story, a greater narrative. Jesus says, I'm doing this so that you can see this. I'm acting this out. I'm participating. You are experiencing this because this is what's going on. Sometimes I just want my pain to go away. Just take my pain away. And God's like, that's not the problem. I'm actually fixing the problem. You just want to talk about your pain. 
but it's Jesus who's making all things new. This is hard. How many of you have experienced, you know what this means to walk in mystery? Walk in mystery with God. Number three, it's a lot easier when you can expect God's goodness. You can expect God's goodness. But we're moving from brokenness into wholeness. We're moving from wandering and homelessness to a city that is our God. That God is good and he loves to do what? Give good things to those who ask. Matthew 7. So what do you prescribe? I prescribe the exact same thing I've prescribed every week that we've been here in this series. Ask Jesus to heal you in faith. Meaning, enter the story. These are all the things that are at play and you're a part of it. It means embracing and holding on to the mystery that is God. He knows best. He can do best. And it means expecting goodness. Maybe like Abraham, you won't see it in your lifetime. Most don't. We walk in the gap of life and death and the tension of those two. But sometimes by God's goodness, a little bit of life gets to break in. Just enough to remind us to keep walking forward. What does Jesus' name mean? Yeshua, Joshua. You know what the etymology is? What's it mean? It means God saves. It's God saves. That's the name he picked. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will set his people free. I want to give you the opportunity to participate in the story this morning. Artist, would you come up, please? We're going to share in the Lord's table. If you've never done this before, let me give a little guidance here at House on the Rock. We've gone through many versions of this through COVID, um, multiple trays. And, but here, if you participate with us, you're going to come up and you're going to pick up a double stack of cups. And one of them has juice in it. One of them has a little wafer. Okay, Make sure you, 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 you pick up both bills. Getting, Bill's taking three because he really wants a lot of Jesus today. This is a means by which, oh, you want a few too. Spirit's really working. This is a means by which Jesus says, you can remember me. You can remember this is what I do. You can remember I am the God who puts the pieces back together again. You do it by remembering the story. He says, remember the story. I heal, I restore. There are a couple reasons why you might not come forward this morning. Number one, you're not a follower of Jesus. This is for those who are followers of Jesus. And it's very respectful for you, actually, to stay in your seat. And that would mean a lot to us. 
because this is something that's very sacred to those of us who follow Jesus. It's actually one of my favorite things. Or God is saying, we need to work on something. We need to talk about a few things. By all means, talk about a few things. Then come to the table. Do you have some brokenness today? Are you experiencing the gap between life and death? Do things ache? Then my challenge to you is go for it. Ask him. Go for it. What they call chutzpah. Believe that he's that good. Believe that he's that big. He's that wise. He's that powerful. He loves you more. It's been my experience that what I think of as good is pretty small. And God wants me to experience something that's a whole lot bigger. So my challenge as you come forward this morning, as you walk down the aisle, bring your brokenness with you. You leave it here. And you leave with some Jesus. You'll be excused down the front, come take a cup, walk around to the outside. Okay? And when you get back to your seats, I'll come up and we'll receive the elements together. Father God, please, put the pieces back together again. For we are broken The body is corrupted, the mind and the heart aching. And so like the one lady where everything else has failed, we're reaching forward to grab all of Jesus that we possibly can. And you have told us it's our job to ask and it's your job to answer. And we know that it's going to be good. Please. By the power of your spirit, in the name of Jesus, heal us again. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today, and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can. Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.